0: What's up? What's good, everybody? How you doing today? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C. Steve Castellanovo here, live and going through the deal on the Heel and Face Podcast, your source for news, information, and criticism about the world of professional wrestling, brought here live. By Heel Turn Wrestling. Bam! Nailed it. Dope. How you doing, everybody? Uh, We're here doing the things. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Live, we got some great stuff to wrap with you about. And um, we've got a lot of news that actually happened in the ring this week which is really shocking because most of the news has not been happening in the ring. Most of it's been happening lately outside of the ring. So it's kind of nice to actually talk about something in the ring this time. You can interact with the show on Facebook. You just go to Facebook if you aren't already here and like, share, subscribe, connect, You can comment below. I don't think I'll be taking too many comments this episode, but I'll definitely try to feature some next episode or I'll do another three count. That was really fun. I also told you guys that I would be talking a little bit more in depth about the PWI 500. I hope it's not necessarily old news because, you know, you could go on for another year discussing the PWI 500 and still not finish it in time before... The next year's episode of pwy 500, but I do want to bring out a couple of things. So we'll talk about one topic that I want to bring up because I don't want to promise something and not deliver. And maybe I'll even turn that into a three-count episode. You can also go to my Twitter page and interact with me there at Healing Face Pod at Twitter. And while you're there on Twitter and all of our social medias, you can go and you can follow heel turn wrestling on Facebook and Twitter at ht wrestling316 that's ht wrestling316 we got brand new shows people are on board people are jumping on the heel turn wrestling train baby it's rolling down the tracks daddy so you want to get on that as well so check out my show heel and face on the heel and face podcast on Facebook heel and face pod on Twitter and Heel Turn Wrestling at HT Wrestling 316. All right, so let's just go right into the news then. Let's go right into the topics. And the big one is, I don't know how I feel about this per se. I have some different opinions on it, and I feel ultimately terrible for this guy. But former wrestler, Big Vito Lagrasso, loses his CTE lawsuit against the WWE, and the judge dismisses the claim. Now, for those of you who've been following along, Big Vito, who's had success, moderate success, everywhere he's gone, never really been the super big name in a company, but he has been around and... He had his most famous runs in uh, WWE and later on in TNA when he became Relic. The guy has unfortunately been suffering from CTE and he's been suffering from, you know, everything that comes with that. And I do genuinely do really feel bad about this. I really feel that he deserves something I mean he deserves I don't know what he deserves but at the same time too it's not ballet and we love this sport I love this sport just as much as everyone and I'm not gonna sit here and be old school and say this guy deserves whatever he got but I just want to point out that and this is probably the argument that the WWE made, the WWE's lawyers presented, which is, you know, Big Vito worked for USWA. He worked for the NOW promotion. I don't even know if it's still around. It probably isn't. And I guess you can imply or infer from that that he probably wrestled quite stiff. And, of course, he was in ECW, which is pretty much, are you breathing? Are you upright Please go out and wrestle for us. With a lot of these wrestlers, it hurts. It breaks my heart, really. It does break my heart because I don't want to see anybody get injured. I know that whether you think it's something as pessimistic as these sports leagues don't want to get sued, I know that the NFL and WWE has come a long way with their concussion protocols and the procedures in place to check on the wellness of their wrestlers. And I totally get it. I know some of you are very anti NFL and anti WWE for these reasons. And you roll your eyes when you think that these two places are trying to protect their athletes. But the reality of the situation is regardless, if you think that they're doing it out of the kindness of their hearts or not, they're doing it. And it's really hard for me to say to a guy, Hey, you sure that you only received these concussions in the brief times that you were in WWE. He was only in WWE twice. He was in kind of as the ECW final iteration of the full-blooded Italians, you know, and this was a guy that could work, you know, you didn't have Sal Graziano or anybody like that who really couldn't work. Uh, So that's why he was appealing to WWE at that time. And then when that gimmick kind of died, he he came back and stuck around and he lost the dress match. And then he decided that that was going to be his gimmick. He was going to wear a dress. He said he was going to be comfortable in it, blah, blah, blah. So it's not like Big Vito doesn't have a mark on the WWE. It's just that can he prove 100% without a shadow of a doubt, as they say, that he, in fact, did incur these concussions while he was working there? The sum total of how long he worked there was, I would say, maybe three years. If you put both runs together, three, four years tops, I really hope he does find healing, and I really hope he does find comfort and some type of I don't know, recompense and closure for his being able to heal from his concussions. I'm just not 100% sure that the WWE was the main reason why he got the concussions. Maybe you could make an argument that the WWE knew he had concussions and still went ahead and booked him anyway. I don't know. I don't know. He was doing some pretty crazy stuff in ACW and uh, in Japan. I just really hope he finds a way to heal. Maybe he can find some type of non-traditional therapy. Who knows? So um, good luck to Big Vito. I know he says he's not going to stop fighting. He says he's not going to uh, give up. We'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. The only other news that we could talk about is the performance center stalker now i don't know if you know too much about this guy this guy is pretty frightening and it's really sad so the performance center stalker wrote a seven page manifesto from jail and i'm not sure if you could read any of it from the graphic but if you're writing a seven page letter You really need to be back on your medication. And I don't want to say that lightly and pick on the poor guy. Uh, If you've seen some of his Instagram posts and if you see some of his social media posts, you know that the poor guy just doesn't have it um, completely together. And I just feel terribly for him because the mental health that he needs is not being provided for him in some way, either that or um, he is so far in his delusion, so far in his psychosis that he might not ever be able to be helped. Uh, There's a reason why the Performance Center has super tight um, security around it. And... You know, um, mental health is no joke. And not to get too editorial, but, you know, in, in our country, in our society, we need to really start taking people's mental health more seriously. Uh, I'm not going to get on a soapbox per se, but I will say that we need to start really integrating mental health into the rest of our health as well. And I think that people should see someone like a counselor or a therapist or a trusted spiritual advisor just as much or just as often as they would to go to the doctor when something is in pain and when something hurts or when something in your body's not right. Uh, Something in uh, this man's head is not right. And As you may know, people who suffer from uh, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, mental disorders such as this where even the brain's biochemistry is off or there might be a genetic problem. People who are cycling positively in their minds all of a sudden feel like they don't need their medication, that they're fine, that it's just the government trying to control him or her whomever suffers from this mental disorder. So they will then not take their medication. And ironically enough, as we all know, the very medication that someone takes to be able to combat their mental illness is the very same medicine that they eschew because they don't want anyone controlling them. So please, if you know someone who is uh, suffering some type of mental illness, even if it's just basic depression, Please be sure to reach out to them. Please make sure that everybody's okay. Please make sure that they're okay as well. So um, hopefully this guy can find the peace and the, uh, the the answers that he's looking for. Hopefully he can get in touch or keep in touch with the right people and, and remain uh, medicated or uh, s- receive some type of mental health counseling. So. Well, I mean, as I said, so this week is actually full of wrestling news that happened in the wrestling ring, and I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get right to it then. Now, AEW coming off A lackluster pay-per-view had a lot of questions to answer, I think, in all of our minds. And, you know, uh, notwithstanding from the news about Matt Hardy or just the terrible execution of everything. The idea that they needed to have kind of a bounce back week. They needed to really shock people. And they did with relative success. And as you probably saw, the biggest news from AEW Dynamite was Kip Sabian introducing his best man. And yes, of course, uh, they did the whole swerve and the whole tease. They teased uh, some random guy, and then they teased uh, Flying Brian Pillman Jr. And I don't know why Kip Sabian would be texting Brian Pillman and I don't know what he said. You're the best man, like best comma man, not you're the best man. But of course, you see right there who the best man was. Yeah, the biggest news this week is something that I suggested probably a year ago anyway, especially with the terrible Lana uh, angle with Lashley. And all that. But as you see, Big Miro showed up and he is Kip Sabian's best man. And for those of you who are uninitiated, kind of like I am, so I'm not exactly saying uh, that I'm down with whatever the kids are doing these days. But apparently, Kip Sabian is very big on twitch and he made it a point of course because this wednesday night war is a continual trolling of each other's brands and kip sabian came out and said that he has a twitch and he's working for a company that allows him to have a twitch blah blah something like that i don't know I didn't really pay that much attention, but yeah, you know, just to get a dig into the WWE edict from last week that we discussed where wrestlers were not allowed to promote themselves as their WWE personas. And there was also a question as to whether they were even allowed to use their real names. By the way, just as an aside, and I hate quoting him because I swore, I swore him off, but. Jim Cornette had a really good point about if this were the 80s, the wrestlers wouldn't even be allowed to sneeze on a local radio show at 5.30 in the morning without Vince knowing it, let alone doing all this. So there apparently is precedent for this. I think it's still crappy anyway, and it should be questioned. But again... Uh, that's just uh, a topic, again, to revisit sometime later. But as for right now, let's just talk about AEW and the debut of Big Miro. Now, just to recap from things that I've said in the past, I have advocated for both Big Miro and Lana to leave. And especially after it was clear with Rusev Day not getting over that the both of them just kind of walk out and join uh, AEW. I think it would have been a perfect spot for those two. I think that because Miro has fully embraced being American and they kind of live that Florida lifestyle, that uh, that Florida panhandle lifestyle, I think it would be a hilarious kind of comedy gimmick for the both of them. It'd be like Miro and CJ going to... Magic games and hanging out at the beach and doing all that kind of stuff. That would have been a really good, a really fun thing. I think that I would have written if I was in charge of AEW, but I'm not, I'm just sitting here. I've always said that any wrestler that should jump from WWE and go should be Rusev slash Miro. And here we have it. The problem is again, I hate to say it, but as Jim Cornette pointed out, you've got a guy who left the WWE after a terrible wedding angle and is now involved in another terrible wedding angle. I don't want to say it's terrible. I wouldn't agree with that, but it's definitely not main event. You know, if he's going to come in, he should probably have come in as a major heel and just said, "I'm coming." Excuse me. Then again, he probably is seeing everybody else come in from WWE or from outside AEW and played off as a major heel and it's never really come to fruition. So I don't know. But uh we'll see. Hopefully they do something with Miro. Hopefully he becomes a major force, not just Kip Sabian's muscle. To link him back to Kip Sabian, Miro has also made very clear that he makes a lot of money off his Twitch. He's a very very popular Twitch personality as well. So he made us a comfortable living there as well. And I guess they got to know each other over Twitch. So now... Big Miro is in AEW. Hopefully it pays off for him. It certainly hasn't been paying off for many of the other uh, former WWE wrestlers, although uh, you can see Brody Lee fighting uh, Dustin Rhodes for the TNT belt and Jon Moxley still remains AEW champion. Still, though, and I understand, I know Cody is taking time off to promote the talent show that he's a judge of, and he's also apparently developed a show with Greed Arrow star Stephen Arnell about pro wrestling. So, yeah, he's going to have his time uh, committed elsewhere. So I get why it was a practical squash for Brody Lee last week to get the belt, but then you go against an older brother who's, you know, approaching 50 and whatnot. And yes, I know, Dustin Rhodes can go. Yes, Dustin Rhodes can go. We know that. I'm not saying he can't. But what I am saying is, how do you go five-minute squash with a guy who's in the prime of his athletic career And go 10 minutes with a guy who, even though he can still go, is not exactly the most tip-top athlete in the company. I don't understand it, but, you know, then again, I'm not booking this stuff. You saw the uh, promo with Jake Roberts. Uh, He was not stripped down like last time by Lance Archer. And for some reason... uh, We're still trying to figure out why Lance Archer is supposed to be uh, a a badass. I guess we're going to start from scratch and build it back up again. So Matt Hardy also came on and discussed his concussion status and as he did that, uh, Reby was in the audience applauding him on with a new baby in tow. I don't really get it. I don't understand. They practically kill Matt Hardy, but Matt Hardy can't die, so there's that. I think it was a little embarrassing to have him come out especially as angry as Reby was on Twitter and took it right to AEW management and whatnot. And I love her, by the way. She's like the female CM Punk. She just really doesn't care what people think, which is cool. But just honestly, I kind of lost a little respect for Matt. Even though he said that he's going to take some time off, he's going to come back and he's going to have his sights set on the AEW Championship. So, again, you have another former WWE over-the-hill superstar going after a belt that you promised would feature young, fresh talent. It's whatever. I feel like that this is going to be an apology for screwing up concussion protocol, and that if he does win the belt, it's just going to be like, hey, we, we... are sorry that we messed up and we apologize. And this might also be finally, Matt Hardy may also realize his own mortality. And I'm not talking about going back, channeling broken Matt Hardy and uh, bringing Damascus back. I'm talking about this might legitimately actually be Matt Hardy's swan song in the world of professional wrestling as an active performer. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Angelico had a match. It was a match. It It was okay. I tried to explain to a friend the whole ending of the Jurassic Express versus Lucha Bros. Trying to explain why Butcher and Blade are taking sides and why Eddie Kingston spent 20 minutes telling people to shut up. I don't know what they're trying to do. I know that there was some issues of finishes lately in some tag matches between Phoenix and El Penta. I don't know what they're calling him now. They've changed his name, El Penta Zero. I know, again, they're trolling Rey Mysterio by giving Penta an eye patch. Yeah, I mean, all right, cool, whatever. Every wrestler now is trolling a wrestler from... WWE, so it's it's whatever, as you guys say. I don't know what they're going to do, and what's really sad as a commentary is that the Lucha Brothers have fallen so far. Remember, about, it was, what, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and I don't even want to blame the COVID-19 or anything, but, I mean, 2017, 2018, Pentagon Jr. was the hottest pro Wrestler on the indie scene. He even made it up to what? Fifth overall PWI or something like that at one point. This dude couldn't do any wrong. He was the best wrestler on the planet. Triple A champion. Going everywhere he wanted. Working with the New Japan Dojo. Going over to New Japan even. Uh, PWG tag champs. The dude was on fire. The dude could not be stopped. And now, because nobody knows what they're doing in AEW, two really good wrestlers who are brothers are now feuding. And now, of course, pretty much buried them firmly ensconced in the mid card. Excuse me. My sinuses are going crazy. Um The only other thing, I guess, of interest to me, even though Chris Jericho and Jake Hager announced that they will now be going forward as a tag team because they still haven't found anything for Jake Hager to do, is uh, Tay Conti, who for some reason can't go by Tayanara Conti, probably because of the whole WWE thing or whatever, versus Nyla Rose. And how this was not a squash match, which I was a little surprised. Although Tay is good, the the flip side for her was she could be more proof that if the WWE just recognized what they had and just let her go, which is what they should do with most wrestlers, just let them go and do their thing. I was really shocked that Tay was allowed to do her thing, especially against Nyla Rose who, you know, she's the beast, right? But I find it funny that all of her offense was taught to her by the rival promotion. So you've got some middle-of-the-road female talent coming from the independent scenes or coming from Japan who are varying degrees of good. And the one wrestler who seems to shine is the one that was trained by, by and large, by WWE. So, uh, that's got to say something. Uh, overall, the show was good. Not great. It was at least better than All Out. So, I'll give it to them on that regard. But other than that... uh. Hopefully they can move things around and make things happen to the point where they could get back on track. And hopefully this is a slight deck shuffling that will help AEW in the long run, especially to build toward their next pay-per-view. So there's that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, my sinuses are killing me. Um, so let's just briefly go through Raw and NXT. Raw might be getting better, but the jury is still out. So I'm not so sure. Sure. I'm going to pass judgment on if Raw is getting better or not. I don't know if you know or if we discussed it last week, but Retribution is now, in fact, completely on the Raw brand. They're not going to do anything on SmackDown. Raw was a little more entertaining, and this is kind of getting the train rolling for Clash of Champions. So we start off with... Uh, Randy Orton regaling us and how awesome he is at kicking people in the head. And then he talked about Drew McIntyre and all the punts that he gave him. McIntyre comes storming back and hits a Claymore on the Viper, which is, again, setting up for the Clash of Champions. Next match, or first actual match, I should say, is uh, Apollo Cruz, Ricochet, and Cedric Alexander versus the Hurt Business. So here we go. More big news from the world of professional wrestling inside the actual ring. So, uh, you know, the Hurt Business is doing their thing and they're uh, pushing their weight around and they're really trying to go back after Apollo Cruz and his belt and all that. And... You know they're just antagonizing crews left and right and they finally get into the ring all of them work over crews and somehow apollo gets free reaches over to his partner but his partner's not there that's right ricochet isn't there ricochet was just about to get the hot tag until out of nowhere cedric alexander pulls Ricochet off of the ring post and sends him into the barricade, crashing to the floor. Alexander then comes in and delivers a Lombard check to Cruz, giving Benjamin the win after Shelton Benjamin scores with Pater And that solidifies what they've been working on for the past couple of months, which is Cedric Alexander's heel turn, and he finally joins The Hurt Business. Um, My initial thoughts on that were I was not excited to see it. I know Cedric is pretty stale, but I also noted too that if you guys think that Cedric's lacking on the mic when he's a babyface, hear him as a heel. He actually gets worse on the mic as a heel than as a babyface, if you can imagine. And as you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you know it's much easier to be a bad guy than it is to be a good guy. And I'm sure that Cedric's character's gotten stale since he's been in the WWE, and he hasn't done a whole lot. I think think he's been cruiserweight champion once or twice. Other than that, his whole character's been stale. So, I mean, it, it deserved a little bit of freshening up, and turning heel is a good way to do it. But the... Two or three previous heel promos that I've heard from Cedric. I think like remember when the C and C Russell Factory was a heel team briefly in Ring of Honor? Yeah, those 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 weren't great. So some people are just aren't natural heels. And Cedric's not a natural heel, but at least he's gonna go with it. And he doesn't have to do much talking because mvp and shelton are the ones that really do the talking for the hurt business anyway so uh, the next the street profits versus Adrade and angel garza for again the tag team championships and i think that wwe is finally hearing us complain now it's a double-edged sword obviously You fight the same guys all the time, but at the same time, too, because of COVID-19 and the quarantine and whatnot, you got to fight the same guys because the the same guys are the only ones that are around. It would be totally different back in the Territory days because in the Territory days, you could fight the same guys. That's how the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, shoot, I forgot the 13th, like the Fantastics. All three of those guys, all three of those teams meshed well together and worked everywhere together because it was brand new to somebody somewhere. Unfortunately, with TV and the interwebs, the Street Profits versus Garza and Andrade are not new to anybody anywhere. And although Garza and Andrade probably should have had at least one quick title run with the belts. Uh, the street profits have been pretty dominant with them. So another dominant tag team shows up during, uh, after the match, I should say the WWE SmackDown tag champs showed up. That's right. The artists Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura came to raw to issue a challenge. So at a cross promotional challenge of the future, probably a clash of champions. It'll be the Raw Tag Champions versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And as Shinsuke Nakamura said, they want the smoke. Should be a fun match when they finally get together. And it will definitely pay off in the future. So look forward to that. That should be a fun match. Might even steal the show during Clash of Champions. We'll see. From fun to absolute sadness was Billy Kay versus Peyton Royce. And as we said last week, Billy Kay got geneted. And I really don't want to see Billy Kay fade off into obscurity, which is what happens when the WWE breaks up a really popular tag team, I mean, they've done it ever since. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, so they feel like they have a good formula. The only thing is, is Billy Kay is too good and too talented of a wrestler for her to get treated like that. Well, anyway, she was. Billy Kay and Peyton Royce fought each other. Royce got the better of her former best friend or whatever with a kick and a neck breaker. And unlike in the past when you've had friendships broken, because they do have too many of those, because, again, one of those tropes, Kevin Dunn, is backstage still perpetuating, which is all women hate each other. Hopefully this is a glimpse of Stephanie taking over and Adam Pierce booking this and basically saying that Royce and Billy Kay are going to remain friends even though their careers are going to venture off in their separate ways. So hopefully this is part of the cultural shift of the WWE not just to say, oh well, all women secretly hate each other. And hopefully this is just something positive that maybe it'll end up with either one or two of them. Probably most likely Peyton Royce being on a a serious title run. So who knows? As far as the women go to, again, I'm just one guy, but we should have a women's intercontinental and a women's U S and all these other belts to make people happy. But what do I know? I'm just sitting here in my basement talking wrestling, just a sad match. I couldn't get over the fact that the Iconics were broken up to really enjoy the match. So there we go from that. We go to, an actual wrestling match between the women. Asuka and Mickey James versus Natalia and Lana. Natalia and Lana have been putting the mouth on both of the two wrestlers. Uh, it was a good match, but it was just to further the uh, potential feud between, between Asuka and Mickey James. This actually should be really good. Uh, this is one of those matchups eventually that's going to end up being a clash of styles that actually works. They're similar in age. Asuka is more technical of a wrestler than Mickey James, and Mickey James is athletic, and she knows what to do with the ring, and she's a former women's champion anyway. So eventually that'll be a good match. But uh, this match particular on Raw, Nattie and Lana took it to Mickey James. And I wouldn't be sad if Nattie and Lana became uh, the new heel tag team and won the women's belt, but... That's on two other women. We'll discuss that in a little bit. So the match was quick. It was okay. Uh, At some point, Asuka was knocked down off the ropes, off the apron. But she came back, uh, and she was able to make the tag with Mickey and tap Lana out with the Asuka lock. So the team got the victory, but of course... This is a setup for Clash of Champions as well. Cedric cuts a heel promo in uh, in the uh, MVP lounge moving on. Although the Viking Raiders did come out to back up their boys, Ricochet and Apollo Crews. So at least the whole faction thing is bouncing out between the Hurt Business and these four guys, these ragtag upstarts. So we'll see. What happens, it should be good. I'm not saying it's a Clash of Champions thing, but again, another belt WWE should have should be a three-man tag, but again, what do I know? This led to an eight-man tag match. It was actually pretty, pretty good. It was uh, pretty athletic and a uh, lot of false finishes, a lot of the guys pairing off with each other. Uh, Ricochet came in and did what he was going to do during the previous match. Hit some springboard moonsault on MVP. However, Alexander distracted Ricochet and they got on Ricochet from behind. Started double teaming him. Alexander hit Ricochet with the Neuralizer for a two count. But here's the weird thing. Uh, Apparently, when he was rolled out of the ring, Ivar came off. Well, Ivar came off with a plancha out to the ring and suicide dive. I guess he landed weird, and you could see a call for X. Now, they're not supposed to do that anymore because we're all hip to it as wrestling fans. We're all smart to, you know, the X motion, right? Well, I guess instinct took over on Ivar. and He really knew that he was really seriously injured. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what it was, but he did miss something. And he did uh, get injured. He called for the ref. The ref's attention was distracted. So that botched two count uh, was actually supposed to be a three count. But the referee was distracted, and it actually is going to work because It's one of those happy accidents that's going to work. It's going to work in this feud's favor. You know, you're going to keep saying, Well, I was pinned. No, you weren't. No, I wasn't. Yes, I was. You know, I wasn't pinned. I'm sorry. I wasn't pinned. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. That's going to get into that. So hopefully, Ivar is okay. He might be on the shelf for a while but at least the match was really good and told all the stories it needed to tell, and with the added bonus of a questionable count in the ring will further fuel a feud between Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, at least. Keith Lee versus Randy Orton was next. Kind of anticlimactic after the last two matches that they had, although Keith Lee isn't going against Randy Orton, so it's not like he's going to be shoehorned into a triple threat match or anything like that. At least I hope not at Clash of Champions. Keith Lee will probably, you know, cut some really cool promo in the back that he's down, but he's not out. And this is just a minor setback and he is going to definitely take the WWE Raw locker room by storm and he's going to continue that. He'll probably feud with somebody like Alistair Black or someone who knows. Something to that effect will happen for Keith Lee. So he's not down and out. Uh, Lee... Put all of his offense in, was about to hit Orton with the spirit bomb, but Orton escaped and hit him with the RKO. You know, he flipped him up, boom, one, two, three. After that, however, earlier in the episode, Drew McIntyre was banned by Adam Pearce for his own good. However, he snuck back into the arena and delivered a Claymore to Adam Pearce. Causing Keith Lee to be disqualified, which Keith Lee wasn't actually that all broken up about. Uh, Then Pierce ordered McIntyre out of the ring again. Orton is uh, rubbing his jaw. And the last thing Drew McIntyre says to him is, I want you to see me in your dreams. I do like the fact that Drew is trying to out Orton Orton. And I think that's part of... The character of Drew McIntyre that they definitely want to flush out in the WWE. And I'm all for it. I'm here for it. It'll work. So that's good. You've got Retribution showing up. And this is clearly Dominic Dijakovic and Mia Yim and other people. So we will see how this unfolds. They are here to bring uh, Raw to its knees. Yada, yada, yada. Kevin Owens and Alistair Black going at each other in Raw Underground was really cool. Um, You know, like a Street Fighter versus uh, Sagat apparently. Now uh, Aleister Black's going from Snake from Metal Gear Solid to Sagat from Street Fighter either way. The whole spot outside where Kevin Owens grabs uh, Aleister Black and just yeets him into the wall smashes him. That was pretty good. Uh, Kevin Owens, again, continues to be one of my favorite wrestlers because he's so adaptable for every situation. He can wrestle. He can fight. He can be technical. He can let it all hang out. He can come off the top rope. He can do anything. He's good on the mic. He's great as an announcer. Everything about Kevin Owens is great. And proof in this brief Raw underground match that they had. And I'm sure Owens and Black will f- continue to fight each other in a feud for a while. It's a good way to keep two really good wrestlers active, neither one losing any shine. And we know that Owens is committed to this. I've made mistakes in the past. Anti-hero babyface thing that he's on. And we know that Aleister Black is done being nice and siding with the baby faces only to lose an eye and get beat up for it in the process, so uh, that's going to be a good feud. The Riot Squad challenged for the Raw belts or whatever. I don't think it was, actually it wasn't a, 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 for the belts, but uh, they competed against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax in handicap matches. It was a Anything you could do, I could do better, which is another reason why I really enjoy the dynamic of the tag team partners not liking each other. Morgan rolled up Baszler for the win, which was really cool to see and a little uh, shocking. And it forced Nia Jax to talk crap about it. And they were having a match. It was the two-on-one versus Nia Jax. But that match didn't come out because again, Retribution made their appearance, so that match was kind of known void. So Jax was ruled to no a contest. I I like that again. Now Naya Jax can say that she didn't lose to Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. And then Baszler can be fuming about that. They'll finally put the tag. Belts up. I don't know if Riot Squad will win. Maybe Riot Squad should win. As much as a fan of Jackson Baszler having the belts uh, that I am, I would also really think it would be a nice, cool way to for the WWE to say I'm sorry and give the belts to the Riot Squad for breaking them up in the first place and for Live doing their stupid gimmick and setting Sarah Logan off to shoot machine guns, train for MMA and be pregnant. So um, I would, either way, I don't want Riot Squad to lose an eventual matchup at class for champions, but I certainly don't want them to, uh, uh, you know, I would be upset if they didn't win. And of course, this brings us to the, hilarious ending of the night which is the street fight between Mysterio and Murphy um, what can you say that Ari hasn't been said about Dominic's performance in the WWE anyway at this point um, he's very good and he deserves it and I know people are you know, saying well it's because he's Mysterio's son and, but no he's put the work in been trained by Lance Storm been trained by Conan so he knows what he's doing his La is probably the best. I feel bad for Humberto Carrillo, though. I mean, he's kind of the odd man out of this, but needless to say, uh, Dominic's got it going on. And it was just, just a great street fight all the way around. Kendo sticks were flying. I uh, tried. Uh, Murphy tried shoving Dominic's side into the ring. They're just going to melt this forever. Uh, they made a point that Murphy was trying to re-ingratiate himself with the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, Murphy did not want to be a fallen disciple. He wanted to go back and prove himself to Seth Rollins, who I don't think was there in the building at the time. They actually did manage some pretty good wrestling. Uh, Dominic was put in an abdominal stretch, and he fought his way out with his own... Uh, Abdominal stretch, which he turned over to a Beal and got out of. Uh, There was one really cool slash frightening part. I almost texted my friend with the uh, gif of, we want to see a dead body. Uh, Dominic set up Murphy or at least not intentionally, but Murphy was up against the table out in the ring that was up against the announced table. Dominic slid out kind of in a suicide dive, but more of a flip, and it was like a sunset flip bomb into the table, and the force was so great, I thought Murphy was dead for a minute there, and he probably was, but he's all right now. He came back to life. But the worst part of it was, and this is my... I'm not going to judge how tough a wrestler is or should be. It's not my place because I'm not a wrestler and I don't know. However, if you're going to be okay with getting pummeled by kendo sticks, then what you should probably do is not try to block them as much. I mean, just take them. Look, Dominic Mysterio took about 40, 50 shots without a shirt on just to prove himself. And now they did... Take Murphy's shirt off. They did raise it up. They did trap him. So all the callbacks to how Dominic was treated weeks ago were played back out in Murphy. And I totally get it. That's what the WWE does. That's what they're good at. The problem with that is, is that you know with Murphy blocking the shots or whatever, it didn't look as vicious. Although it was hilarious to see the rest of the Mysterio family get their hits in. I mean, you could tell the two of them were just kind of doing it. Aaliyah and uh, Mama. Mysterio, Angie, Uh, you could tell that obviously they were not delivering working shots to Murphy. They could have, but it ended up a family affair as all four members of the Mysterio family got their shots in on Murphy with Mysterio looking into the camera and exclaiming payback is a bitch. So this was pretty hilarious. Dominic ends up getting the win. Um, This might be something where Murphy goes now on an existential journey to find out who he is. Maybe he goes back to the Messiah. Who knows? But hopefully we're nearing the end of this angle. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm saying they could fight forever, really. But I think maybe the payoff is going to be at a bigger pay-per-view. You might be able to stretch this out to WrestleMania. And maybe solidify Dominic as winning Rookie of the Year because he's already won it by far. I know at the end of the year I do the heel and face uh, end of the year awards, and the Rookie of the Year is definitely going to be Dominic Mysterio. I'm just calling it right now, but be that as it may, uh, I think you could stretch this out for a while, and you could really get the final comeuppance at a big pay per view and say Dominic is a star in the WWE, which is what they want. All right. Uh, So that's it for Raw. That's it for Raw. And I did not get the chance to take a look at NXT. So I know there were big things happening in NXT. I know that uh, Finn Balor is now three-time NXT champion defeating Adam Cole. We're going to have to go back and watch that match itself. Uh, I want to actually see the matches and to have a physical feeling about the match, so I'll just uh, leave it as is. Um, anything else? In the world of professional wrestling, we will talk throughout the week. Again, you're more than welcome to join the show any way you see fit. I really appreciate those of you who are watching this live and interacting with the show. Please continue to do so. You can look to uh, share and subscribe. I'm getting... More likes and shares and subscriptions every week. And I really appreciate you guys putting the word out that you like the show at some point, some fashion. So, again, continue to like and share the show. Continue to do all the things that uh, make the show great, like interacting, not just during uh, the week or not just during Sundays, but throughout the whole rest of the week, I should have said. I said that incorrectly. Um, you know, you could keep in touch with the show in other ways. You could follow the social medias. Like I said, you could follow me at Heal and Face Pod when I try to tweet out things. I'm slowly building some connections there, following a bunch of other podcasts and a bunch of other wrestlers who like to talk wrestling on Twitter. Again, that's Heal and Face Pod on Twitter. You could also go to Heel Turn Wrestling's social medias at HG wrestling 316 where you could get a hold of the other great shows that we have here, like headlocks and hangovers, like the sleeper hold, like Billy Alexander and the 15 shows that he does, and of course all the new uh, all the new shows that are coming on board, the wrestling trivia show, the War Room, all the cool stuff. We're really turning into a network here, so please don't forget to. Uh, be on board with that uh, with us so that's it, it's kind of a short show today but uh, nonetheless we're here, we're rocking it out thanks for joining us, thanks for joining me and uh, for everybody at Heal Wrestling and the Heal and Face Podcast it's your boy Big Steve C, Steve Castellanovo and as always peace